You're listening to Real Life at the Ridge, the preaching ministry of Chestnut Ridge Church. Good morning. Man, it's, uh, they did a great, great job this morning glorifying God. I'm I just thankful for the kids and just none of them fell off the front of the stage, you know. It's just uh, miracles never cease, right? But uh, uh, and singing out like that, I'm uh, just uh, thankful for the folks that work with them, um, and Laura going and helping lead them in worship on Wednesday nights, and Miss Barbara and all those. Uh, you pray for them. They have a children's camp this week. They'll be heading out tomorrow. And if anybody has ever been a chaperone at children's camp, you know that pray for them a little extra. Um, and if you've never been, it's a good tour of duty. You ought to try it sometime. Um, you'll be thankful for a lot of things you never were thankful for, for before. <laughs> so uh, uh, just thankful for, like I say, for all their work and preparation and stuff, and just to be able to worship this morning like that as a family is, um, is just incredible. I, I want to turn your attention to Ephesians chapter 6 once again today. In those first four verses, I'm really going to really settle into verse four for a little while today. Last week, I kind of addressed an overview of some things that we'll get into. Then we uh, put some emphasis on the children, uh, where the Bible tells us that children are to obey their parents in the Lord, for this is right, and honor the father and mother. Uh, and and we, we put some emphasis there. And over time, we'll, we'll, we'll revisit those things. But today, I, I want to drive some things in on the parents' side of, side of this uh, Scripture. And here's what I want you to understand. My prayer is that everybody in the room, that God's Word would penetrate our hearts, our souls, our minds, that God would... Um, that He would do a work whether you have finished raising kids, if there is a such thing, and then if you... Um, whether you are raising children now or going to be raising children or you've never raised children, no matter what situation, that, that, you, would, that, that you would get a, a portion of God's Word dispensed to you today that will cause you to, uh, uh, I believe in some cases, awaken out of a slumber, that you would um, be radically challenged as my own heart, and even in preparing for this uh, last weekend, this week, and things to possibly come in the next couple of weeks, the, the challenges God has put on my heart and uh, how, how radical those things have been. And, and, and take these things today that we will learn, and then next week, come back next week, we'll have, there's actually going to be a little shake-up again next week when it comes to music, um, but there's still going to be a message d- delivered and next week will, will be something that will be really important following up from this week. So I want you to uh, encourage you to, to come, come back next week and catch that. But this week, continuing the thought on some responsibilities of a godly family. And in the text, uh, just to read it, verses 1 through 4, and then like I say, we'll settle in with verse 4 for a little while. It says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. Verse 4 says this, And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. 
And Father, I ask you to please take your word and I pray again this service against any any lie of the enemy that would whisper in the ears of any person in this room under the sound of my voice, even online, God. I know in preparing for these things that this is spiritual warfare when it comes to talking about glorifying you and our families. I know that when we talk about things that will, will cause us to think back and, and to see past failures, uh, wrong decisions, sometimes even good decisions, that, that the enemy will try to steal the Word of God from their hearts to and mine too, to, to keep it from going forth. But I know this, that your word goes forth and accomplishes what it sets out to do. So Lord, we trust you today. You're greater than any enemy that we have, even our own lies that we tell ourselves. May the promises of God be heard today. May the conviction of the word of God do its work and and God, may you be glorified in all we say and do in Christ's name. Amen. I think that in starting off, there's one phrase that, that goes without saying but definitely needs to be said. Is that raising children in the right way is a huge responsibility. That raising children in the right way is a huge, huge responsibility. I believe that done rightly... It's a responsibility that should be looked over even before a child is formed in its mother's womb. In other words, we are to be prepared for such a task. And I know that in, in this congregation and even online in the first service and, and all that, that there are varying degrees of maturity within the room that there are some folks that are at the place to where they can start at that point. That, that, that they don't have children yet, but when they have children, they can get prepared. But then also, I know that, that we can go to the other side of the spectrum, and we, there are plenty of us in here that are looking back going, I wish I would have, or I could have, or I should have. And I believe God's Word speaks to all of that. But I can't overlook the fact that it's a huge, huge responsibility. I want to read Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 9 for you. And I want you to hear this. This is, this is Old Testament early on in the life of the children of Israel. And, and it's a lesson that need, needed to be uh, just driven home from the time that Adam and Eve became, became parents, even through today and, and days to come. He says, now this is the commandment, and these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess, that you may fear the Lord your God to keep all His statutes and the commandments which I command you, and you and your sons and your grandsons all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. Therefore, hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you, a land flowing with milk and honey, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And then he says, and these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. 
You shall teach them diligently to your children. Talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up, when you, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes, and you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. This is what God is giving to his people as instruction when they go in to set up a new territory. He said, I'm giving you this land there. And when you go in, I want you to, to, to be focused on loving me with all your heart, mind, and soul. He said, I, I want you, when you go in there, I want you to teach these things to your children, to your grandchildren. Write them on the doorpost. Uh, bind them on your hands and the forehead. That, that, that as you walk in and as you come out, that you teach these things. The things that are in your heart. And that's an important thing you need to carry with you this morning. He says that the, the commandments that I give you today, you're to keep them in your heart, and then you're to teach them in your homes. Today, just as then, the families that we raise are a huge testimony, a witness to a lost world of the righteousness and the grace of Almighty God. You see, Israel in that day was a, a witnessing tool that God used. That's why God chastised them. That's why God punished them, brought judgment upon them when they would start acting contrary to His commandments because they're testifying of Him. I, I remember as a child being told multiple times, you, you remember whose you are when you go out. Y'all ever, you know what I'm talking about? Don't, don't, don't you embarrass me out there. He tells the, the, the nation, he says, that they are a witnessing tool to the world. I believe that the church is a witnessing tool to the, to the world, and I believe that the greatest testimony within the body of Christ or any community is the families. As a matter of fact, that's why the enemy has tried so hard to undermine the, the foundation of the families. When I see families together, when I see a dad and a mom together and children, I see, I see moms coming in, I see dads coming in with children, I see the families sitting together and serving together. It's almost as if God is being glorified in that, that the enemy is not getting a foothold. And, and at least if there's somebody here representing the family, somebody's fighting, somebody's striving, somebody's pushing. And let me just tell you, it's a fight. It's a struggle. It ain't easy. I, I just go so far as to say this. Raising children and having a family ain't for sissies. Can I get a witness? I mean, you can make children. Anybody can make a child. But it takes a man to raise one. It takes a mama to raise them. It ain't, it ain't for sissies. I mean, it's, it's real. God says, if you're going to do it and glorify me, this is how you do it. You do it off my word. Can you imagine what God sees as the testimony of the United States of America in this world? I mean, not only will we just let anything go, we'll promote it. You, you know, he says that we're just as guilty when we approve of the, the things. Not only those people that do, but the ones that approve of doing those things. 
I, I know we're to be peaceful people in the Lord. I, I, I do realize that. But there is some truth in, in the fact that it's, it's time God's people stand up. Not only say what's right, but do what's right. Ain't nobody going to believe what you say until you do it. He says to teach them diligently to be, it, it, it means to be pierced, sharpened, a, a point. The idea is that you, you're not beating around the bush when you're teaching your children. You're not being indecisive. You're not, you, you, it's very direct, it's very precise, and it pierces in. The, the idea that God's driving home there. And, and then he says it's coming from the things that are in your heart. The, the things of God should not be foreign in our households. Um, should not be an uncommon thing to train up the way that God says to train up. Then we need to understand this, that, that, that children are a heritage from the Lord. That, that children, these, these kids that we, we have, that, that um, it's, it's not for the faint of heart having the families, but it's in that, I think at the bedrock, we realize that children are a heritage from the Lord. As a matter of fact, in Genesis 1, 4, I mean 4, 1 says, Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. I, I really don't care what people think about where babies come from and how they're acquired and, 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 and the idea of them... Let me just put it this way. God designed to have a man and a woman come together and, and, and make children in the right relationship of a, of a husband, a wife, a mom, a dad. And I believe that, that it happens in God's timing. God's hand of creation is still working there. That, that, that when a child is conceived, God's the one that brings forth life. And that that life that, that is conceived there is a heritage. It's, it's an opportunity for God to do something for, for, for more time than just a day. It's been said that it takes four generations to break the curse. I'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute, but, but the curse of, of, of a family not serving him, not uh, listening to him, following his word, and, and all the things that come along with those, that curse, it says generally takes four generations. And this is what God says in Psalm 127, 3 through 5, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like an arrow, like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall be, not be ashamed. They shall speak with their enemies in the gate. That, that, that children are not just pawns to be used and, and, and discarded or in any way we want to. That they, They're from God and they're, they're there for a purpose. To raise up a generation that would fear God again to raise up a gen another generation that would carry on the things of God. He says that they're like arrows in the hands of a warrior. Sometimes, guys, we don't think of ourselves that way, do we? 
Moms, sometimes we don't think of ourselves that way. And, and often we don't think of our children that way. We, we often think of our children as little gods that we serve at their beck and call. But God says that they're, that they're to be like arrows in the hands of a warrior. That you and I can raise them up in the training and in the admonition of the Lord. And that they would be a, 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 a vessel to be used for the glory of God. So that, so that God's word and his testimony might go forth. The idea of children being a thing that can be discarded if they're unwanted is not a new thought. In, in bygone days, in the days in the, through the Old Testament times and even into the New Testament time, and especially even in Ephesus in that day, fathers in many cultures had the right to judge whether children were worthy to be kept. They, they, the, a child would be born and, and they would assess the child. Is it a male child? Is it a female child? Is it healthy? Is it not healthy? Does it look like it's going to be strong and prosper and useful or not? And what they would do was the father ultimately can make the decision if the child needed to be discarded or not. They could actually go and take the child's life, but they could also, even in a lot of cultures, they would leave them out in the street at night. And, and, and later on, there would be somebody coming, they'd come through and they'd, they'd collect the children. And, and, and it's sad to think that there's somebody making rounds to just collect children every night. But they'd go around and they'd collect the discarded children, the ones that they thought might not be of good quality. If it was a female and they had enough females, they'd just discard, and then the strong males they'd, they'd keep. Didn't mean that they would keep them and raise them for their own, but some of them would even keep them and raise them and sell them for slaves and uh, all, all, all different kinds of things. But, you know, you know, it's amazing. If they had the technology that we have today, they probably wouldn't even be born, a lot of them. Because they'd say, well, this one's not going to make it. This one's not going to be perfect. This one's going to have this defect or that defect. Or this is a male and this is a female. Of course, if they had the modern-day thinking Well, I've said this before. I just say it. You know, if y'all going to get hit with the culture, you're going to have to quit having gender identity reveals, right? I mean, what right do you have to declare what's a boy and what's a girl? But see, it happens today, don't it? It gets evaluated. Is this, wor is this worth having? And the this that they're talking about is created in the image of God. But he says they're a possession of an inheritance that's given to us. Because of the environment, the culture in Ephesus was not great. He takes the first command to the parents in verse 4. You know, it's amazing. He, he really, in the scriptures, he really doesn't address Especially in the New Testament, there's some things, but they're overlapping in the Old Testament. It's like a repeat to drive a point home. But it, there's really not a ton of commands for parents with children as to how they're to raise them. They're very specific, very focused. 
He said, you fathers don't provoke your children to wrath. And he says this in a culture that has just gone haywire. That first command to the parents in Ephesus is, is negative in nature. Most families were not stable. Mutual love among family members was almost unheard of in that day. The light of the gospel way being shown into the darkness of a society that's been riddled with broken homes and children raising themselves out of control sexuality, people living for themselves rather than for the glory of God. The environment was not positive for, for promoting integrity and values. But yet God sends Paul there with, with his word. And God, you know, uh, shares with them how they are to live as husband and wife and, and how you're supposed to work together in church life and how, how you're supposed to raise your children and how all these things work out, that God pierces that darkness with the gospel. And, and that's what we need today. We need the gospel truth to pierce into the darkness to say, even though things may seem out of whack, it doesn't mean that God can't be glorified in somebody's life and that God can't overcome things that seem like they've gone wrong. He can make things right again. Did you know my God redeems lostness? He redeems brokenness. He, 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 he can make things different than they were. We need to realize something else, that children will learn through their environment. That, that children will learn through their environment. That, that their heritage from the Lord but if we're going to take it seriously and realize that it, it's, it's a job to raise a godly family, one thing you need to realize is that children will learn through their environment. Man, I, I, I remember some of the guys I grew up with. And I remember after they started having kids. I remember what their dads did with them. My dad did with me. I, I, I remember, and I look and you know, I, I, there was a dude that, that I knew, and his son, by the time he was three years old, knew how to roll a joint. I mean, it, but that was the home he grew up in. That was the environment that he grew up in. By the time I was 14 years old, I knew how to make mixed drinks. But that's what I grew up around. Did you know that, that, that children come into the world not knowing anything? Sometimes we sit here and we say, man, they're they, they, they born smart. Uh, they're born smarter than we are. Uh, we were. <laughs> Sometimes we are. But, uh, but they're, they're born. No, 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 they're not. They, they have more information in front of them now. I didn't grow up in front of a TV. My, my granddaddy didn't even know what a TV was. You know what I mean? I mean, he had one, but it, it come along later. But when he, he was born, there wasn't no TVs in most houses. And the information's just coming in. You say, man, look how they can use them phones. Where do you think they learn it from? Watching us. 
And they learn through that environment. The, the, the anger, the profanity, the, the perverseness, those things, they, they learn it. And, and, and we look and, and we realize that sometimes in homes that look like they're just good old nice American homes, they're still learning things that might not be godly things. There are parents that, that invest a lot of time in teaching kids to do things that have nothing to do with the kingdom of God. We've got to make them the best batter, the best kicker, the best hunter, the best fisherman, the best this, the best that. And here, here I want you to hear my heart. How, how often is it equally distributed to teach them the things of God? I knew a lot of things after I got to be an adult, if you want to call it that. I knew a lot about cars. I knew a lot about hunting and fishing and all that kind of stuff. But I, I didn't know how to be a godly dad. I didn't know how to be a godly man. And I want you to hear my heart. That ain't to throw off on no in, in, anybody in particular. It's just to say that that's just the way it was. But this stuff can happen generationally. Did you know that? And he says, don't provoke your children to wrath. You know, I wonder sometimes if when parents die and there's stuff that's left, let's say the, let's, classic cars or collections of sports memorabilia or whatever it might be, guns, whatever it might be. A lot of times kids sell it off, right? You know, some, sometimes not to high bidders. Some of it hits the pawn shop, you know, but I mean, it, it gets gone. And, and we look and go, that's so horrible for them to just sell away all the stuff that mom and dad worked so hard for. But can I just ask you a question just to think about something? Could it possibly be that, that the, they look at those things and say, dad loved that car more than he loved me? He spent more time with that than he did me. Sometimes they go, we spent more time at work than he did with us. You know, and a lot of us in the room are adults that carry around the baggage from somebody not knowing how to raise godly children. Here's what I want you to hear today, though. The buck's in your, your lap now. The buck's in my lap. I, I could look and I could say, I see my grandchildren and I'm, I mean, things are just, I'm like, wow. They're so, they, they absorb stuff so much in those formative years. You know, I mean, they, they, they just soaking it up. And, and they know who's spending the time with them. They know who loves them real quick. You can watch when they walk, walk into a room. They're going to make a beeline for the person 
a lot of times that shows them that love, even if it's the wrong kind of love, it's just the attention that this is the one that spends the time with me. I mean, what, what, I look at them grandkids and I go, you know, I'm at a time in my life, Christy and I are, to where, you know, the power bill is half what it used to be. The water bill is less than half what it used to be. We ain't having to buy tennis shoes and, and all, all these other shoes every three days. I got a $2,400 a month increase, you know. And we could go do the things we want to do now. You know, we've raised our kids, but there's something that's eating at me. Because see, we're, we're only two and a quarter generations into this thing now. I, I, I've not been perfect by no means, but I'm learning. We were able to catch some time with our children to try to do it as right as we knew how to do it then, but we really didn't know all the things we know now, and we don't know it all now. We're still learning, but you get my point. It was like, man, it, there's a little difference now. Th things are kind of turning a little bit. Now here we got grandkids, and they the quarter. That's the two and a quarter. They the, they the quarter, and, and, and so here they are, and they sponges, and, 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 and Nana and Pops can go do whatever Nana and Pops wants to do for the most part now, as long as we can afford the gas to get there, we can, we go do or, or we can deny ourselves a little bit more. Because I'm telling you right now, it costs to raise godly children. You're going to sacrifice certain things. We, we, we have a world that has told us that your life is about you. You need to chase your dreams. And how, do, how does that work in a family structure? It ain't your dreams no more. It ain't my dreams no more. It's the family's dreams. I'm going to pursue my career while the family goes to hell in a handbasket. Or am I going to sacrifice, deny myself some things so that a curse gets broken? Am I going to now try to help invest a little bit since they didn't have all the support they needed because I didn't really know what I was doing, but I'm learning. Now I can sit here and hold them up and help them out. Maybe they can do it just a little bit better than we did. then maybe that'll bleed over. Maybe they might do it too. And just maybe by the time the great-grandbabies come along, they're thriving. That when they walk in the house, when they leave out the house, when they talk in the house, when they talk outside the house, that it's on the doorpost, it's, it's on their hands, it's on their forehead, it's in their heart. 
And that even if ain't nobody home, somebody walks in the house and they know that that place is anointed with the word of God. See, I, I can take you to a lot of houses and you can walk in that house and you can tell what's worshipped. It might be trophies hanging on the wall. It might be trophies on a case. It might... It might be a building out back. It might be what's sitting in the yard, what's in the carport. Ain't nothing wrong with having stuff, but there's something wrong with stuff having you. Ain't no wrong with doing things, but there's something wrong when things do you. Even when it comes to the kids, you do realize that they don't run that place. Last time I checked, I ain't met a 10-year-old yet that's paying a house payment. Can I get a witness? I ain't met a 12-year-old yet paying no light bill. They might have back in the day, but they sure don't today. I ain't wearing them shoes, Daddy. Well, then go barefooted. Because this is what we're going to buy. I, I, and I ain't, I'm, listen, don't you hear my heart? I'm not trying to throw off on you. I'm just telling you at my house. There wasn't going to be no $150 shoes sitting in my house. I ain't wearing no $150 shoes, and I'm standing on my feet all day working to provide for them. And they ain't driving no nicer vehicle than I'm driving. Not if I'm paying for it. And they ain't got to have a vehicle till they can buy one. Can I, come on. Y'all there? It ain't, there ain't no law says they got to have one. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's a privilege, Right? How did it get turned upside down when you get to act prissy about a privilege? I ain't driving that truck to school. Then walk. Your mama drop you off. Pick, oh, no, uh -uh, no, no, I ain't rolling like that. Mama dropped me off a block from the school. I'll walk. That's fine. No, if you're going to walk, you can walk from the house. You shamed me and my vehicle? Then you can walk your tail to school. But I'm telling you right now, I go over there in our high school and I watch it happen all the time. Drop them off back in that neighborhood so they can walk and act all cool. I, I'm just going to say this. You've got a responsibility to raise them children. I'll be doggone if I'm going to let them loose till I see them walk in that door. There's a lot of stuff happens between dropping them off that block. Because I done been there. I know. Yeah. Oh, you might not be able to control everything, but you better control what you can. Why? Because you got a responsibility. And it's a big one. And they're absorbing everything in their environment. You see, and when we think about that, I'm going to bypass a few scriptures. There, therefore, you can look them up. When you think about raising them up and the fact that they're absorbing, you also got to realize this. That children need responsibility measured to them in portions that they can handle. Children need responsibility dished to them, yes, but in portions that they can handle. I mean, when I was 12 years old, I was driving a hay truck in the field. I wouldn't put most 12-year-olds in no hay truck. And it was a straight drive. I was joking. I bought a little old car that gets 40 miles to the gallon from my brother. And it's a straight drive. I was with somebody the other day. He said, you ain't going to lock the car? I said, there can't nobody drive that thing. 
I said, ain't no, it ain't going nowhere. It's right there. Ain't nobody. I said, 99% of the people out there, they don't know how to drive it. No, huh? I said, they wouldn't even know how to get the park break off. But I'm just saying, that wasn't just handed to me. It was dished out to me when it was, they felt like I could handle it. And I made mistakes, yeah. And they all going to make mistakes, and we all have to make mistakes, Yes. But let me tell you this, a 12, 13-year-old girl don't need the responsibility of too much skin showing walking up into a schoolhouse. You know, I would say that you, need, you do need to, hey, pick your outfit out, but the problem is, who bought the outfit? How'd it get in the house? And let me help grandmama and granddaddy out here just a little bit. I'm going to give y'all some help. If you take your grandchildren and great-grandchildren to the store, they say, I want this video game. Don't even read the box. Just don't buy it. Because you, you from a different day. You know, you, you from Atari playing Pong. Boom, boom, boom. They didn't bring Atari to the cash register. That ain't what they brought. No, no, they, they brought a game that they can put in a machine, and they can put headphones on, VR goggles, and all this stuff. You say, what's VR goggles? That's like I said, just don't buy it. I just don't even, I ain't got time. I got to close this down, okay? But see, they, cannot, they, they can play that game with a pervert that's 60-something years old in California. And that person can say things to them and interact with them. And they can even do things on that game with them characters on that game that would make you want to wish you hadn't watched it. And the games, yeah, they're rated. So, so best thing for grandparents to do, just say no. Just say no. I mean, I know they're going to kick, scream. They're going to hate you and hold their breath and all that other, whatever. Let them do it. Let them do it. That's a responsibility they ain't ready for. Now, mom and daddy, you in a different generation. And if you don't check up on what they're playing, some of you know what they're playing because you play right beside them. Matter of fact, you don't want to encourage them. You taught, you taught them how to do it. And there ain't nothing wrong. I mean, I'm not knocking all video games. I'm just saying... Some of them women on them video games, that's why they want to dress like they want to dress. Some of the little boys watching the video games with the women dress like that, that's why they're chasing after them. Because you, you have ignited something within their hearts that was not meant to be set on fire at that moment. God was reserved, and you and I have a responsibility to be careful with them. Not put a responsibility on them they're not ready to handle Sometimes we, 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 don't, we give them too much responsibility. Sometimes we don't give them enough. Sometimes we can be over strict and not let them make some mistakes. And they do. They need to make mistakes. You know, they, they need to, 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 to learn. I mean, you can't protect them from everything. And that's a hard lesson for me to learn. You can't protect them from everything. 
bring them up, train them. That means educating and cultivating their minds and their morals with appropriate dis- discipline, admonition, God's way. Let me, let me just finish and tell you this. Children are only children one time. My daddy told me something one time. He said, son, you can't ever go home. And it's the truth. And in our minds, we, we build things up bigger than they really were. I remember stopping by my, uh, one of the home places when I, was, I grew up for my first 12 years, basically, of life. I stopped in there, parked the car on the side of the road. I was going to go to the river back behind the house. I walked back through the woods. I walked across this little, little stream and went on. I was down through the woods. I mean, where is it at? I know it. I don't walk too far. So I went back, crossed back over that little stream, and I went back and forth, and finally it hit me. That's the river. But it ain't a river. It's a little creek about that wide. But man, that thing seems so big. I mean, you, you'd have thought it was Niagara Falls coming off of some of them places. To a seven-year-old, children are only children one time. And if you ain't careful, and I'm not careful, we'll chase things that are hung before us in this world so hard, and we'll turn around and open our eyes and they're going to be having kids of their own. And that's when it all starts happening. I should have. I wish I would have. If I had it to do all over again, I'd do it different. And I'm just going to be honest with you, that, that stuff stinks. None of us are going to do it perfect, I promise you. And all kids are different, and the challenge is different. I mean, it ain't fair. You know what I'm saying? I think everybody ought to have more than two. I do. I think everybody ought to have more than two. If you're going to have them, have more than two. Reason being, parents come to me, and they got one child, and they start talking about struggles. I'm like, you just need to hush. There's two of y'all and one of them. Then they have two. I'm like, that's an even fight there, two on two. I done been in plenty of them. That's pretty cool. Oh, but you wait till the next one comes along. Now it's three on two. Now we're starting to get somewhere. Now, now, they, they, see, they don't trust me. They don't. With the grandbabies, hey, we're going to run to the store, two of the grandbabies be at the house. I'm like, I got this. You go, y'all go ahead. Uh, mama, uh, daddy's going to watch two of them. I'm like, what's wrong with you? You living? Then they remind me. Yeah, yeah but mama raised us. You, you, was, you was at work. I'm like, okay, then. Then they go, we'll take one of them, and we'll see how you do with the other one. You know? And they choose. It's like, no, no you better take Sawyer. Don't take Evie. No. Yeah, you just, you just take Sawyer. I know how, to, last time, they did let me have both of them. This is easy. I went and got the sprinkler, put it in the driveway, got them on their bicycles, got me a lounge chair and a glass of tea. 
drew a chalk line out there on the sidewalk. I said, you go, go past that chalk line, I'm gonna wear your rear end out. This was easy. <laughs> They're only kids one time, don't waste it. Don't, don't, don't be where a lot of us are looking back going, man, I wish I would have. And let me say this, even if you at a place you say, well, it's too, too, it's too far gone, man. They, 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 you can't teach old dog new tricks. It's too, it's, we're too far into this thing. I serve a God that can redeem time. I serve a God that can, it, 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 it might not be what it could have been, but it sure can be what it ain't. I mean, it, it can, he can redeem time in an amazing way. His grace is so big that he can take messes and make masterpieces. So don't you ever think that things are too far gone. You and I need to do this. We do what's right. When we learn it, we, we're responsible to do what's right. And we trust him. And we, we're patient on him, with him. We've we got to be, you've got to be patient. Faith is not something you see in your hands. Faith is the, is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. He wants you to have faith that he can make something out of what ain't there if you'll just be faithful to him and trust him. And he can do it, folks. God will never turn anybody away that is, has a repentant heart. That's all he's looking for. All of his love, all of his promises, all of his cares, and all he says is, come to me, all you who weary and are heavy laden. He says, if you'll come to me, I'll in no way cast you out. He says he resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Amen. He, he can take yesterday and make a new tomorrow. And he, he glories in doing it. I mean, he, he loves it. I mean, for his children to come to him and say, hey, Lord, you fix this. But let me tell you, I, I, you got to trust him. I've had people come to me and say, my marriage is in a mess. Pray for us, preacher. Pray that God would change my husband. Pray that God would change my wife. All right, let's do it. And I'll call them up, bug them every week. You told me to pray. I'm praying. That God would change. They'd go through a hard spot again. We're still praying that God's going to change him. Still praying God's going to change him. And you know what happens a lot of times? They say they want them to change. And then God saves them. And I'm having a fit. I'm going, it's been two years. We've been praying. And bless God, he got them. I don't think I want them no more, preacher. I want to grab them by the collar and say, what, what are you talking about? Are you kidding me? God does a miracle, and you waited two years for it. But was you waiting them two years? What was you wanting? 
So I'm just telling you, some stuff don't happen overnight. But I serve a God that can do it. And when he does it, he does it big. I want to encourage you to stand with me for just a moment. We'll, we'll close. And I think I'm going to close the same way we did in the first one. Miss R is going to play for just a second. I just want to pray for you. And I just want you to let things soak in just for a moment. It, it, can, it can stir a lot of things up when you hear the truth about things you, 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 well, things are brought to the surface that's been suppressed for a while and, and all. And I, I know dealing with it myself. I, want, I just want to encourage you, don't let what God's speaking in your heart go to waste. If you need to say, God, you know what? I'm sorry. I've, I've made a mess out of certain things. I messed up here. I've, there's there. But I, I, I want a new day. God, I want to I I wanna break some curses. And I know it's going to be a hard, I know this ain't going to be easy. This is like settling in. This is like going for your master's degree and you just got out of high school. I mean, this, this is grown-up warfare. This is invest your life. You know, you're going to be gray-headed sitting back in a nursing home talking about, oh, I see it now. I, I, there it is. It's that kind of investment. But you got to start somewhere. And why wouldn't you? I mean, God's glory is at stake. So I'm, I'm going to pray for you. you. You just handled your business right there. If anybody in this room knows without a shadow of a doubt that they're lost, don't leave this place without coming talking to me because I'd love to tell you about Jesus Christ and how he died for you to redeem you. Father, as we come to you at this time, God, you're so good to us you are so much better to us than we ever deserved some of us hadn't even seen how good you are yet Lord even in a dark dreary, dreary world I mean it looks rough out there I'm thinking about what you said to them in Deuteronomy to go take a land and your children and your grandchildren and teaching them what's in your heart. My prayer is that what would be the greatest thing in my heart to be able to teach them would be your word, your ways. God, would you allow us to see you do miraculous things in our lives to help further generations. So many of us are guilty for wanting to, our kids to have it better than we had it, but what that meant was we wanted them to have a nice car, a nice house, a good education, a good job, not struggle and all that stuff, but rich people go to hell all the time. Famous people go to hell all the time. May the most important thing in our lives be that our children know who the living God is. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you for listening. You can reach us at life at crc.com.